0: Before we dive into this episode, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you love listening to this show, please take a second and leave a review. It'll help boost the show so that others struggling in a toxic workplace can find it. Thanks.
1: I was working as a visual merchandiser, which is something that I love. Working in retail, I quickly realized that The hours were impossible to keep up with. My kids were young at the time, and so it would be begging my employer for time to go to my kids' graduation. And I was missing on these really important moments in my kids' life. And as the mom, I'm the glue that keep my house together.
0: This is Sheila. Sheila loves fashion and began her career in fashion merchandising, but working in the retail industry made it a challenge for Sheila to be home and present for her family. You
1: know, with retail, you don't really have a set schedule. Oftentimes, as a merchandiser, I would do something called overnight, where you would have to basically change the store around, change the mannequins, revamp the store. And that entire week, you know, we would be working from 11 p.m. until 9 a.m. in the morning. And there were a time where I work from 11 p.m. into 2 p.m. in the afternoon. At the time, my daughter was five and my son was 11. And I just realized I want to take part more in my kids' life. They seem to be growing up faster than I can stand. And this job is taking a toll on my body, standing up all day. When I get home, I barely have energy to interact with my kids. And so I decided I wanted to pursue IT because I love IT. And so I was just like, okay, I can't just transition from retail into IT. I need something like an office job to show that I have customer service skills, some way where I can get my foot in the door. And that's when I decided I was going to leave retail and I was going to get an office job.
0: Leaving retail meant leaving behind Sheila's passion for fashion but her calling as a mother pushed her to make the decision to change career paths. An office job would allow her to be more present for her growing children, physically and mentally. Getting an office job with steady daytime hours seemed to be the answer to her problems and a path that would open new opportunities, but the change would prove to be more challenging than expected as she entered into a toxic work environment that she could never have imagined. My name's Carly and this is Toxic Workplace, a podcast that gives a platform to those who've survived highly toxic experiences only to come out with newfound wisdom and a renewed sense of self. A toxic workplace is more than just the daily grind. It's a soul-crushing experience that will chip away at your sanity until you're about to lose your mind. It's an abusive relationship that's hard to leave. And the longer you stay, the more you lose sight of who you set out to be.
1: So because I worked in retail my entire life, I really didn't know what an office setup was like, what working in an office really looked like. And so I went into an agency to get the job. So they were basically working with folks that were on unemployment, it was a government agency. And so therefore they were, they had a grant to help women who are unemployed get a job. And I guess they would get a grant for doing so. And so they linked me with this employer. The interview, to be honest with you, was a bit weird. The person that was interviewing me, she was not in a happy mood. She wasn't happy to see all the new options that she had she looked like this was not her jam someone was literally forcing her to do these interviews and when i sat down with her her whole demeanor was just like even if you get this job you're not gonna be here long (laughs) and i thought it was just my mind playing tricks on me because this was new and maybe those were my nerves and so i thought it was all me reading this incorrectly, but that's what her vibe It's Just like this interview is a waste of time.
0: Sheila's mind wasn't playing tricks on her, and she would soon realize that the interview process at this company was a regular part of their operation. The woman interviewing her was interviewing a revolving door of people, which would make the interview process feel more like a chore than an opportunity to find new talent.
1: So when I first started we had to go into training and doing the training they would not let us interact with the actual employees in the company it's almost like they were hiding us from them and they were hiding them from us because they didn't want us to know that this was a toxic workplace the way the company is set up is they get a grant from the city for hiring people that were unemployed for a certain amount of time like women in certain categories people who are unemployed or in different in certain circumstances. So there is a grant for that company. And so they were using that as a way to milk this grant, because the more people they bring in, the bigger their grant. And so they had to find a way to kick you out. But they had to keep you there for a specific amount of time for them to qualify for the grant. So they will make sure that they were treating us kindly during the time that they needed to have us on board. And once we were there, they started kicking us out because I overheard a conversation with a manager where she got written up because she was inspiring enough people. I think it has to be three months because um, they would do everything in their power. They will give you leeway. They will give you support within that three months. And once that three months hit that 90 day hit, they were like, okay, we have no more patience with you. Oh, you sneeze the wrong way? You're fired. <laughs> it is a weight of grant money, and it's very dishonest, and I don't know why whoever is giving this grant don't look into that. But I feel like they're not the only company that does this. A lot of people do that.
0: Sheila didn't specify which grant her employer received. But I do want to talk about the purpose behind why these types of grants are awarded in the first place. Grants are given to companies as an incentive to hire and retain employees that are in need of opportunities. For example, DOL.gov says that they target their programs for groups such as women in non-traditional occupations, people with disabilities, veterans and returning service members, among others. The idea is to empower and give people better opportunities for sustainable work. But what's happening at Sheila's employer is they're jumping through all the hoops and checking all the boxes to be compliant with the program, but their end game isn't to retain and empower these new employees. It's to benefit from the grant money they're receiving by continuously hiring people through the nonprofit agency.
1: Once you first get there as a trainee, they tell you that there are supervisors on call to help you if you get into a customer you get into questions that you don't really know the answers to. Someone is supposed to be there to assist you and take over that call so you're not on a phone call for 20 minutes because you get written up for that as well. And so they want you to provide customer service, but they want you to do it within less than five minutes which is impossible. And so they look at how much time you spend on a call. If you have a certain amount of calls that go over like 10 minutes, that's a write-up as well.
0: Getting written up is part of the culture at this company. It's almost like the supervisors overseeing the call center were commended for their write-ups. Sheila explains that the purpose of the constant write-ups were a way to push people out the door so that new employees and new grant money could come in.
1: For them to fire you, they have to have substantial evidence for why they're firing you. So if you were late three times, you were let go. And if you had three write-ups, you were also let go. And so what these managers would do, they would make things up. So you needed to clock into your phone at a certain time. And if you were new, they would delay you to clock into your phone. They will still be like, hey, come over here. I just need to have a a pep talk with you real quick before you start work. Just let you know what's happening. Not telling you as a newbie that you need to first clock in. And just because they pull you over to the side, you are responsible to know you were supposed to clock in. They realized they were getting away with it. And so they were coming with more strategic ways to get people out to hire more people. It was insane the amount of people that were hired on a monthly basis. If either you quit or they fire you. If you quit, it's better because they don't have to pay you anything. And so they also want to make sure you quit at a certain time where they're not reliable to pay you.
0: This is how awful the company was. Not only was management hard to work with, But the customers she dealt with would sometimes be verbally abusive, and there wasn't any sort of encouragement or support for Sheila or her colleagues to deal with them. They weren't getting what they were supposed to be getting. There were errors with their service.
1: And so the time that they were supposed to be provided the service and things like that, and when we couldn't understand what they were saying because there are some glitches with their account or someone made a mistake in the way they set up the account. And we don't have access to that information because we're new. You're not allowed to make changes to customers' accounts. That's the management responsibility. And so, therefore, you own the line waiting for managers to pick up. And they hate their job already. They don't want to speak to these hostile customers. And these customers will both- just So upset, so upset. They will call you the B-word. They will degrade you. And when you report it, they wouldn't do anything. And they had some customers that were notorious for that. And employees would be like, I have so-and-so on the phone. Does anybody want to take this call? (laughs) Please, I have so-and-so. And And people would tell them, yeah, she's notorious. She's going to curse you out. Just get her off the phone as fast as you can. Yeah, she's going to literally berate you. And you had to take it. I just knew how to just let that slide, even though it did upset me. And some of those conversations had me in tears. However, I was still able to handle myself professionally and not get caught up in what they were saying. I would let them know, hey ma'am, if you continue to speak to me in that way, I'm going to have to end the call, you know, because you are being verbally abusive. This is not my fault that this mistake happened to your account. I'm happy to help you, but I would like you to refrain on calling me these names. They like I can call you whatever I want, and I'm like, okay, ma'am, I've asked you three times. I'm going to release this call. And I would release it and I would get in trouble. But it's just like, I'm not going to sit there and let someone call me. And I would hope they would write me up, especially on the extreme ones. They tried one time and I just literally wrote everything the customer told me and the response to my employer for not protecting me for that. And I was just like, that's just a violation of my rights, you
0: know? With such a miserable work environment, I asked Sheila why she thought people continued to come to work.
1: I think what people need to understand is that most people go to work, they have families to feed, and that's very important. They're trying to keep a roof over their head. You know, people forget when they're they're mistreating people that these are actual human beings with lives. They have a mom, they may be taking care of that still, and that extra income they're bringing in is very important. And oftentimes, people are just living paycheck to paycheck, When you live in certain communities, you have a lot of hardship. You have children, you have a spouse, and even if you have your two household income, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. So you're not going to work just because you feel like it. You're going to work because you're providing for your family and they depend on you to bring home a paycheck.
0: Sheila was motivated to stay in this hostile work environment because she wanted longevity with the company. This was a large, well-known company that would be beneficial to have on a resume, and Sheila was pushing to make it at least two years before leaving. But that came at a price to her health and well-being.
1: Actually, my mental health started declining because I was being yelled at on the phone. It's like, each phone call, I had the anxiety. And so they also had people call you to trip you up on purpose. I had a manager called me. She called me, pretended she was a customer and called me the B word. But I recognized her voice. And so when I sent her name on the recorded line, she hung up. And that's when they knew we can't mess with this one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we can mess with this one. I was like, I know exactly who you are. You are this supervisor that work on this floor. I recognize your voice. And and then she said something, oh my God, to the person in the background. And they were like, hang up the phone. And she hung up. I realized maybe not all my calls are real. And I really need to be careful what I say because they're really starting to listen to my call because I had passed my 90 day period perfectly. And so now they were like, okay, get rid of her. Because I knew so much and I'm such a bubbly person, people just talk to me. And so their fear was just that I will share what I know with other people. They didn't want people to be there long enough to make friends. And So they would schedule your lunch break and make sure that you weren't on break with the people you trained with, because most likely if you were in training with someone, they would be your ally, right? One way employees would fight back, they would get each other's number and they would spread the news to what's happening. They would let people know there are several times where the employer you know, ended up on Eyewitness News and they would share the link and we would watch it. And when people would leave, they would go on Glassdoor and they would write exactly what happened. People were just leaving. They really didn't care to fight. They realized that what they read on these post boards were actually true. Once they started experiencing them, they decided for themselves they would leave. What the supervisors were doing is they were listening to the conversations. If they heard someone talking about something, they would pull them to the side and write them up. So if you were talking about an experience and you start telling them something fishy that a supervisor did, that person would be on the target list to get rid of. Because as soon as you heard something like that, of course, you're going to let your um, fellow employees know what's going on. So if they were written up with something unfair, we'd be like, hey, do you know so-and-so got written up? And employees be like, yeah, that's that's how it goes around here. So there were some people that they wanted to keep. They were actually retaining the ones that were bullying other people. The ones that would do their bullying for them would literally maybe come to your desk and say something smart to, like, irk you that day. Yeah, they were keeping those. They were looking for bullies, and they kept all the bullies. Because if a supervisor Let's just say they didn't want to keep someone long term. They would use the bully on their team to pick on that person to make them leave. They bullied me constantly. They bullied me constantly because my demeanor is really soft and gentle. Most people assume that I'm a sheep <laughs> and I'm just gonna roll over. <laughs> and until they realize, like even with my soft voice, I can speak up for myself. I had them on their toes, but they also had me stressed out.
0: This place is driven based on fear mentality. Bullies generate fear and anxiety, and when people in charge are bullies, then only bullies have a chance of rising through the ranks and staying for the long haul. But there was more than just prank phone calls and meaningless write-ups happening. One instance between a supervisor and Sheila's coworker would prove this place to be physically hostile.
1: I have an experience that happened, and it was surreal. I was sitting at my desk. I don't know if you ever watched The Office, but um, it's set up pretty much like that. And the supervisor would basically sit where the secretary is, and so she was having a conversation with someone all the way towards the back she said something in a very demeaning way and it was a male and we all know that there are certain insults men do not really take lightly to and so he turned around and called her uh, the b word and said you a a b he turned around and whispered it but she read his lips and she said did you call me a b And he ignored her. So she had a water bottle in her hand and she threw the water bottle at him. He got written up for her throwing the water bottle at him. I think they both got written up at this point. He ended up getting fired after that. But she threw the water bottle and it missed me by an inch. The cap wasn't even on there fully. So there was water all over the floor. I don't know how this water bottle did not spill all over me. But it missed me by an inch. When she noticed the water bottle missed him, she picked up her trash can and threw it. I felt like I was in the twilight zone. I was on the phone with a customer. I knew that was my perfect opportunity. And I was like, you would not believe my supervisor just threw a trash can over my head. And the car got disconnected, and that trash literally missed me by an inch of my life. My heart has never beat so fast in my life. She's basically telling us look if you don't keep your head down and do your job over here understand we get away with everything she's basically showing us the supervisor and the managers out are there they hold all the power she got written up and she was highly upset as if her getting written up was not supposed to happen but the reason why i think is because they knew i was gonna say something I was going to say something and they needed proof that they had written her up because if they had to dispute what happened, they would need to to show proof that they trying to protect me in some ways. So I went to the superintendent and I reported what happened. And I was just like, this is what happened. And this is, you know, ridiculous. I almost got hit with a trash can can I leave this apartment because I feel like I'm in danger? And so they were like, no, they had me write a statement. I wrote my statement. And so I basically talked about how the environment was hostile. They never gave me any feedback, but at least I knew I had some really big proof that this company was shady.
0: Sheila knew she had to keep her own logs and records as proof of accountability since she wasn't her supervisor's favorite. She was well past the 90 days that many new hires lasted, and she felt it was only a matter of time before they would try to take her down. And she wasn't wrong. I had gotten a three-day
1: suspension for something that had happened, but because I knew I was on the chopping block, I started taking notes. So basically. They said I wasn't at my desk taking phone calls for a certain amount of time, but I had a log of when I clocked in and I had my log sheet showing proof that I was there at my desk when they claimed I wasn't there. So I got suspended. So I had a meeting with the union. I presented my proof that they were lying and I never told them I had proof. I just wanted to have the meeting with the union they agreed that they lied. They retracted their story and decided to retract their write-up, but only decided to pay me back for two days. But you put me on a three-day suspension. You agreed that you were wrong, but then they refused to pay me the full three days.
0: At this point, Sheila had held on with this company for almost two years. It was around this time that COVID hit, and it drastically changed the dynamic of this workplace. At first, the company was strict about employees continuing to come to work despite social distancing requirements. They had an essential need to continue to work, but the company didn't try to find ways to accommodate the employees and the needs of their families. They didn't allow the employees to work from home, and they were relentless on maintaining their write-up mentality.
1: So a lot of people started quitting and when they realized that the people that they needed to retain was not going for it, that's when they started really stepping it up. They were making sure like in departments where they wanted people to get fired, they were not complying with the social distancing law. They were like, you don't want this job bad enough. And so people were getting scared. The workplace got really toxic. People were catching literally fits at their desk. And it was just like, I can't believe I'm witnessing this. It was unreal. It was just like people crying over the phone and trying to get through a phone call. And it got really heavy because at this point, schools were closing and they were demanding that employees show. And people just like, I don't have no one to watch my kids. And they were like, not all concerned. You need to be at work and you need to be on time. And so they didn't start taking that seriously until the city started offering, if you do not have someone to watch your kids, you can stay home and the city will start paying you. And employees were like, peace out. (laughs) And they were like, good day, have a good day, goodbye. And they were like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so we're going to formulate a plan so some of you guys can come back and we're going to social distance. And that's when they started to comply a little bit and started really working into getting people to work at home because everyone was quitting at this point and they were panicking because they were not going to meet their quota. But as the news started getting out and employees started sharing information on how to leave and get paid, people were just willingly leaving. They just weren't showing up for work, but people were still calling because the type of people we service, we had to pick up the phone the kind of industry it was, we were essential workers because of who we were working for in the city. And so we couldn't let these folks go without the service we were providing them because it was detrimental to their health as well. And the company would be reliable if they did not provide that service. For the first time in their lives, their karma was coming because no one was willing to come work for them. Everyone was unemployment, So now they were scratching to get employees when before they were like yeah get rid of everybody and now they were offering over time bringing people meals three-course meal while you were at work.
0: Sheila stayed with this company through the chaos of COVID. Sadly she experienced loss within her family due to the pandemic and it was a very saddened and trying time in her life. Despite the loss and heartbreak she continued to show up to the office. But in the end, it was a faulty desk chair that was the straw to break the camel's back, almost literally.
1: They did not provide you with good furniture. So you were sitting in uncomfortable chairs. And so um, one day I came into work. I was told to sit somewhere that was not my regular seat because we were social distancing. And so they were like, you have to be seated wherever they put you. Um, we have to spread you guys six feet apart, and there's not enough room. I sat on a chair, a hydraulic chair. It was broken, and the chair literally collapsed with me, and I damaged my back. I went home, and that was my last day. I let them know hey, this is what happened. I hurt my back. I called a supervisor, and they told me I had to come in and write a note. I went to a chiropractor. At this time we were only doing things remotely and so i did like a remote checkup with a chiropractor and they were like there's no way you could go back to work and so i went and wrote what happened because they were demanding that i do that so the next day i went in they were like well you're not getting paid but at this point i was just like i can't even come to work
0: leaving this toxic workplace brought a wave of emotions to sheila Sometimes when we finally remove ourselves from hostile situations, we can finally start to see things for what they really are. Being free from the hostility and anxiety that was attached to this job allowed her to find peace with the situation and the ability to move forward with forgiveness.
1: I was really angry. I was angry, but the anger wasn't really helpful. It just put me in a really negative mindset and made me paranoid. My mood was all over the place. I was anxious and it was just like, why am I carrying this anger with me? You know, just forgive them for what they did. It's not like I can undo what happened, but I'm not carrying these people in my heart for the rest of my life. I had a very good Buddhist friend who told me I needed to forgive these people and I forgive them and claim my power back and let go of all that negativity I felt like I became a new person at that time, something that I thought was literally going to kill me, gave me a brand new life. I learned to trust on myself, and I learned that the darkness sometimes we go through is just to make us into brighter light. When something happens to you, and you want to use it as a way to help someone else, you went through it for a reason, and if you could provide healing for someone, then The universe will repay you for helping someone avoid that situation or someone who's feeling lonely, feeling scared and don't know what to do. You use your story to help someone else. And by doing that, you are securing good karma for yourself. And so that's why I do what I did. I decided I would use my story to help other people heal and avoid the mistake that I made. I had to go through a lot and take in a lot. I now shifted my perspective and decided that I deserve better. I should have never allowed myself to go through that. And now I know that I know what the signs are. So there's no way new Sheila will ever be at a company for not even a week. If I notice all the signs, I'm out the door instantly. And so in some ways, I feel like I learned a very important lesson. I know what to look for when I'm reading the job board posting and what to spot on Glassdoor. Not a thousand employees saying you suck and think that I'm gonna go through this. (laughs) Absolutely not. And so I've learned to keep myself safe from that. be able to read into what a good company sounds like because I went through a terrible one and be able to spot one when I read one.
0: Knowing the signs of a toxic workplace from firsthand experience is a token of wisdom that comes at a high price. But if used correctly, its value will serve you tenfold as you manage your way through life. If you're in a toxic workplace or you've endured a toxic workplace, take the experience as a valuable lesson that'll serve you in the future. Sheila will never allow herself to fall victim of another work situation that compromises her peace of mind again. Remember, there's nothing worth the cost of your personal well-being. Thanks for listening to Toxic Workplace. Do you have a Toxic Workplace story you'd like to share on the podcast? go to toxicworkplacepodcast.com and click on Be a Guest. Your story will help others who are struggling with a similar situation. Remember that all names are changed in order to protect the privacy of the employee and the employer. Next time on Toxic Workplace.
1: All I knew at the time was, this is how you sell, whether it's ethical or not. And the manager at the time was pushing us to do it, and it was in a very manipulative way. Like, if you don't do this, you're gonna get fired, or we're gonna find a way to fire you. This company is corporate America on steroids.